The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. So, a warm welcome to everyone on this very quite cool evening in uh, Melbourne <laughs> for those that are watching online. And welcome to the Buddhist Society of Victoria here at the Buddha Loka Centre in East Malvern. So, um, as usual, uh, I'll just introduce myself for those who may not know me. Some, I think quite a few people do now. So, I am Ajahn Nisarino and I'm the senior monk at Newbury Buddhist Monastery. And uh, I ordained uh, 24 years ago, will be 25, this uh, rains retreat with Ajahn Brahm in Perth. But I spent 18, uh, for 13 and a half years in Sri Lanka, so I was sort of missing in action. <laughs> but uh, that was a very nice time, so now I'm based at Newbury Buddhist Monastery. So as usual, we have it's wonderful we have the opportunity to meditate together. It's really special because I'm sure many of you have probably missed that energy that you have that you get from um, sitting together, meditating together. It's very, very supportive, and uh, it's amazing. Even though we're not speaking or anything like that, it can be very, very helpful for the meditation. So great that we can do this again. Um, now that COVID is going down, there's still quite a few cases, aren't there? So we still have to be on the watch out. So the format, as usual, we have an introduction to the meditation. I always like to have a theme, and uh, uh, I'll get on to that in a minute. And then we have a guided meditation for about 45 minutes. So I hope that's not too long for some people. Anybody here for the first time for, for meditated before? You have, you have, right. So we'll just see how you go with it. it being guided, it's much easier, I think. But um, you know, just uh, see how you go with it. And then we finish off with uh, any questions, comments, complaints <laughs> at the end of it. So that's, uh, that's good. Often at the end of it, uh, there's no, no questions. And I think, wow, that's very good. Because when we don't have any questions at the end of a meditation, that means the mind has calmed down a bit. Because most of the time there's a lot of thinking going on. And, uh, and that's uh, when we start the meditation, we're aware of it. In daily life, we don't notice it so much. So often people say to me when they come here to meditate, Oh, I can't meditate. I just think all the time. And I said, well, that's really what's going on all the time, actually. But we don't notice it until we come to a place like this and quieten the mind, come to a quiet place and quieten the mind. We see what's going on. But, of course, today is, uh, I should say, happy Vesak to you. Yeah. For some people that may be a bit confusing. They think, wow, what happy Vesak? Is this a secret term or whatever, code word? <laughs> But yesterday we had a Vesak ceremony here. And the Vesak ceremony or celebration really is the major celebration for the year in the Buddhist calendar because it celebrates the Buddha's birth, his awakening or enlightenment, 
and his passing away, or parinibbana, which is really economic, as I said yesterday. It's all on the full moon in May. So some of you may have noticed the moon tonight. Did you see it? Maybe through the clouds. I saw it last night. It was really, really, really uh, big and full and clear. So, and the, the of course, this is what the most important event, of course, of Vesak is, is not really the birth, though without a birth there can't have been a Buddha to be. He wasn't the Buddha when he was born. It was through uh, his practice, uh, his practice of meditation and through developing insight that he became the Buddha. And, uh, and that transformed him from uh, an ordinary human being to really the highest potential we have of any being really to have this uh, incredible understanding of reality and that's what a buddha sees reality we all think we're seeing reality but actually we we're seeing it through uh, uh, lenses that distort what we're seeing and those lenses of course often they're very easy to see some of them to understand anyway uh, the lens of wanting to get things, desire, or wanting to get rid of things, or thinking in terms of a, of of ourselves, what me and mine, I'm this, I'm that, identifying with it. So the Buddha was a, a very extraordinary uh, being, but he was a human being, and we should remember that, you know, because uh, sometimes if we think of him as beyond the human, then we um, we don't take him as an example. And of course he wanted us to take him as an example. In fact, he said, you know, that uh, talking about meditation, he, he said why he continues to practice meditation, because he didn't need to. <laughs> but he said it's very pleasant to meditate. That was one thing. It's very pleasant abiding for him. And of course he had very deep meditation. But also, he said, as out of compassion, for future generations, as an example to future generations, that meditation is an important part of the path. Because sometimes you hear it today, in Buddhist circles, some some uh, Buddhist circles, you don't need meditation to become awakened, to to become enlightened. And of course, one can ask then, well, the Buddha seemed to use it <laughs> and encourage it. So this is important that we see him um, as a, an example for us, something that someone who inspires us as well. So this is a very um, important thing. And of course, I didn't say it yesterday, but if people want to see the Buddha, uh, the Buddha said that's possible to see the Buddha. But how he said, if you want to see the Buddha, you see the Dhamma and you'll see the Buddha. So if we, even today, we can see the Buddha by understanding the Dhamma. Sounds simple, doesn't it? <laughs> but of course it's understanding at a very, very deep level. It's having that deep, deep insight into the nature of reality, that all reality is based on impermanence, change, constant, constant change, moment by moment, and also on uh, based on not being able to get things exactly as we want, unsatisfactoriness, we call it in Buddhism. And also the fact that our lives, our minds and our bodies are processes. There's no permanent uh, me, I or me in here. Character, personality, for sure, there are. But that's changing. And so this is what a Buddha sees. 
And when we see that, we can see the Buddha too. And of course, in another teaching he gave, he said, when we actually uh, experience deep meditation, and he's talking about really deep, <laughs> then this is a footprint of the Buddha. And, and uh, so he talks about the footprints of the Buddha being these four deep meditations, the jhanas, and then the, the deep insights that transform our minds from uh, ordinary mind to seeing clearly the nature of reality. So this is what um, a, a Buddha is about. And of course, one of the famous teachers in Thailand, uh, Ajahn Chah, he said, really, until we, um, until we see the Dhamma, until we understand the teachings, until we see, glimpse the nature of reality, we cannot really appreciate what the Buddha was about, what he was teaching, or what the Sangha who have realized his teaching, what they were about. So this is a, um, uh, an important step, seeing the Dhamma. And of course, this is the, begin the first stage of enlightenment, isn't it? Seeing the Dhamma. So I was going to use as a theme for this evening, I like a theme that's uh, reflecting on uh, a teacher like the Buddha, um, uh, how much we have benefited, well, many people hopefully have benefited from the teacher, from his teachings. It need not be just the Buddha, because some people may not be so familiar with the Buddha. It can be other teachers. And um, so this naturally, when we think of what benefit we have got, what we think of how much we owe to that teacher, how much gratitude, how much joy we feel, these are very wholesome emotions that we can bring up and use in the meditation. So that will be the theme for this evening. And I know one of the um, talks that I listened to last year by Ajahn Brahm, I think most of you probably heard of Ajahn Brahm, and uh, he was, this talk was called Giving Freely. And he was talking about how before he starts meditating, he brings to mind offering his meditation, this meditation, to the Buddha or to his teacher, Ajahn Chah. And that he says that gives him a lot of joy, gives him a lot of inspiration, and also thanks to gratitude. And of course, that all hinges on, doesn't it? The fact that you've, you feel great benefit, you've, you've, you feel uh, that uh, what you've received very, is very precious. So this is uh, something that can really empower the meditation so that uh, we can, as it were, turbocharge the meditation with, with this feeling of joy or of gratitude, appreciation um, and inspiration. So this is a theme that I will use this evening. And of course, there's lots of different offerings in Buddhism for offering to the Buddha or to a teacher. We have uh, uh, candles, incense, um, and we have uh, food and water, things like that. Flowers, the flowers, of course, very beautiful. And you, you see that, you know, at Vesak time, at this time of a celebration, you see all the flowers and you see the lanterns. Did you see the lanterns outside? Yes. Um, and these, these are all part of the material offering to the Buddha. But the Buddha said, 
the, the way we really honour a teacher is not through these things. They're good. We can feel good about offering them to a Buddha or to a teacher, for sure. And that can be a very uplifting feeling. And also, often in Buddhist countries, in Sri Lanka, for instance, people do that every day. And it has a nice, it's a routine that gives them uh, a lot of happiness and a, a peace of mind and gives comfort um, when they do that. But of course, the Buddha said, these are fine, <laughs> but you really honor and pay respects to uh, a teacher by practicing what they have taught. And he, he encouraged us to practice what he taught. And, to, and of course, what did he teach? The Noble Eightfold Path, you know. And this is, this is something that we can practice. And by doing that, then we are following, we are honoring the Buddha. We are, uh, we're repaying the Buddha. Because every teacher likes their student to get benefit from what they offer, whether it be a spiritual teacher, whether it be a teacher in a school, wherever, um, whatever setting it is. So, and of course, this evening we're focusing on offering um, through our meditation, uh, whatever uh, quality, whatever we uh, um, experience in the meditation, offering that to the Buddha or to another teacher. And uh, but of course, in Buddhism, there's a lot of other things we can offer in terms of practice, and that's of course, you know, giving is a very big practice in Buddhism, foundational really as is, you know, ethical behavior too. And meditation, of course, this is a very important part of the Buddha's teaching, but it's part of the developing the mind in good qualities, wholesome qualities, and allowing those negative qualities to reduce, letting go of them. And when we develop good states of mind, it tends to let go of the, the negative states of mind anyway. So this is what we are, are doing, and of course, so this is a very useful thing. And the sorts of emotions that can come up that we can use in our meditation, of course, um, are joy and uh, happiness. We call it piti sukha. And this is a very important ingredient for meditation. Because it's indispensable, an indispensable ingredient, actually. Because for the mind to settle down, uh, for the mind to come together it needs something that will attract it, like a magnet. And of course, our minds, all human beings' minds, all beings' minds really, are attracted by joy and happiness. And then when the mind settles down, in, it will settle down because of that joy and happiness. Who wants to go anywhere else <laughs> when one's having a good time? And the Buddha talks about this natural process which we can start by you know, uh, bringing up this gladness. We can do it from many different, in many different ways. This evening it's uh, recollecting, thinking of a teacher, um, particularly the Buddha, uh, who has given us so much, we feel so much benefit from, they feel so much inspiration from. And of course that gladness then becomes more intense, it becomes this joy, we call it rapture. And that can be experienced over the body, tingling or waves of energy uh, that sound, feel very physical, but uh, obviously coming from the mind, because <laughs> we don't feel like that in everyday life, generally. And then from that, in the mind, then the body 
and the mind, becoming very tranquil, very peaceful. And people can often feel like they're not feeling the body. You know, it feels very light or it feels like they, they, they don't notice it really. And from that, that, that experience of being free of the body, then happiness can arise. And the Buddha says, when that happiness is there, the mind will just go for it. <laughs> it will go for it because that's what—that's the food for the for the mind—is happiness and joy. All this anger and irritation, annoyance and uh, um, jealousies, and all this—this this is poison for the mind, really. And it gives us no energy, and gives us—it gives us sort of energy of a negative energy, which just burns us, just burns us. We're seeing plenty of that at the moment in the world. And uh, so we have to, contr- by, by developing this meditation, we're contributing to the positive forces in the world, more peace in the world. When we have peace, then this is helping the whole, the whole of the world. So as I mentioned, some of the emotions we can develop in the meditation, gratitude, of course, joy, respect is, is very nice too, because someone that inspires us, whether it be the Buddha or another teacher, we respect, we have got a lot of respect for them. And this is something that's very, very useful for us to, to develop this quality of respect. is is very uh, wholesome, very positive emotion. It's not common in the West. <laughs> not common. We, we don't respect very easily. I often, because as a Buddhist monk, you know, I see people come and pay respects to me. That means that they bow to me. And... If they do it with a very good heart, I think, wow, that's great for them. They may not know me at all, you know. So this is something that's really for the person that has that respect. And uh, mostly in the West, in the world now, we're on the, we're suspicious. We're looking, looking for, uh, you know, flaws and, uh, you know, the, the hidden agenda. So we, respect is something that's very difficult for us to find. And of course, when we have a figure like the Buddha, you know, someone that was really uh, extraordinary, it's much easier to have respect because such a being is, of course, sort of the highest uh, potential of a human being in terms of purity, in terms of wisdom, um, in terms of kindness, compassion, all these qualities. It's very easy with somebody like that. And, of course... Um, in the meditation too, you know, one of the qualities that will come up. One of the qualities of the Buddha that's very contagious, you see it with the Buddha statues, peacefulness. You know, you just look at some of these Buddha statues. I don't know about this one, whether you, we feel peaceful, but many of them, you get this sort of sense of peace and a sense of inner happiness, inner contentment. So uh, these are all qualities that uh, can come up when we contemplate a teacher like the Buddha or another teacher. And so they are the sorts of things that we can uh, bring up in this meditation. It may occur, and uh, we can do the guided meditation now. We can start in a minute. And uh, these, as I say, I like to emphasize bringing up a positive emotion because what we can do with it is infuse the, the breath uh, the meditation object we're using this evening, the breath, usually the breath, <laughs> with this feeling. And that makes it much more attractive because for most of us, the uh, initial difficulty is to 
sustain interest in the breath. The breath's not exciting, not particularly interesting. So we're doing a bit of interior decoration. <laughs> we're making it beautiful by infusing this feeling of, say, gratitude or appreciation or peace. And then when, we, when the mind can stay with a the breath, then very naturally this process that I mentioned of gladness, of joy, of tranquility, of happiness, and then the mind coming together will happen by itself. So it's, I call it a primer or a starter for the meditation. And in the meditation, if, you, uh, if you've started with a, a feeling, with gratitude or whatever, with the breath, and it's, the mind starts to get more and more peaceful, more and more still, just be with whatever you're experiencing then, the peace, the stillness, that becomes our object in the meditation. And so we can see what happens this evening. All right. So I just have... Yeah. So first of all, we can just make ourselves comfortable on the cushion, on the chair. You don't have to sit on the floor, by the way. You can sit on chairs, there's no problem. Or these um, stools, there's stools around too, actually. So you're welcome to, to uh, sit on whatever you wish. And we can begin by just closing the eyes and coming into the present moment. leaving the past and the future with our shoes at the door. And we can be free in the present moment, not concerned with what's happened today or what might happen this evening or tomorrow. And we can become aware of the body and make any adjustments we need, whether it be to feel whether the head is aligned over the shoulders, balanced, feels balanced, um, and whether the shoulders are balanced over the hips, and the legs are comfortable too. If our body isn't comfortable, it will make us know it. And the meditation will be concerned with that. So good to check out what is comfortable. And now we can relax the body mentally. Starting with the head, the top of the head, the back of the head, and the sides of the head. Soothing these areas, relaxing them. And moving our attention to the forehead, and relaxing the forehead, allowing any wrinkles to relax. 
moving our attention to the eyes, the cheeks of the face and around the mouth, soothing them, giving this warm, kind attention. They do a lot of work. and bringing to mind the neck, all around the neck, and giving it this mental massage, soothing it, relaxing it. Now we can bring to mind the right shoulder, starting at the neck and moving along the right shoulder and giving the right shoulder a mental massage, allowing any tensions, feeling of burdens to relax, letting go of them. Now bringing to mind the right arm, starting at the top of the arm and moving our attention all around the arm to include the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers, giving, soothing them, giving this mental massage. Now bringing to mind the left shoulder, starting at the neck and moving our attention along the left shoulder. This kind, relaxing, warm attention, easing any tension, any painful areas.
Now bringing to mind the left arm and moving our attention slowly down the left arm all around to include the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers, soothing them and relaxing them. Now bringing to mind the back, starting below the shoulders and moving our attention slowly down the back, soothing and mentally massaging the back. Allowing any tension, any strain, any soreness, to reduce, to relax. And now we can bring to mind the front of the body, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention down the front of the body to include the chest, diaphragm, stomach and abdomen, giving the front of the body this mental massage, this kind attention.
And now bringing to mind the right leg, starting at the top of the right leg and moving our attention slowly down the right leg to include the knee, ankle, foot and toes, giving the right leg this mental massage. And now we can bring to mind the left leg, starting at the top of the left leg and moving our attention down the left leg all around to include the knee, ankle, foot and toes with this warm, kind, relaxing attention. Now we can become aware of the whole body just sitting here in the present moment at ease, relaxed.
And now we can visualize the full moon of May and the Buddha sitting below the Bodhi tree. This is the tree he was enlightened under in the silvery moonlight, not far from a broad river, the Naranjara River, in the evening. And we can see the peaceful quality of the Buddha. You can feel peaceful quality of the Buddha and maybe see this smile of inner contentment. And we can come near and bow down you should be bowed three times and sit in meditation near the Buddha. And in our minds we can dedicate or offer this meditation to the Buddha or to another teacher. You can offer every moment of awareness. You can offer every breath that we're aware of and, or, and every wholesome positive emotion, feeling that comes up. And we can just allow a space just to see if the feeling does come up when we offer to the Buddha or another important a spiritual friend in our lives. Maybe a feeling of a joy or thanks, appreciation, inspiration, faith. We can get in contact with whatever we feel if we the feeling comes up for us. And as we breathe in and breathe out, we can infuse the breath with this feeling, whether it be of joy, of gratefulness, of thanks, of respect, or joy, whatever feeling we feel, 
you can combine it with the breath coming in and going out. And if the mind wanders off, we can bring up that image of the Buddha or another teacher to bring up this feeling again and to infuse the breath with it.
And now as we're coming closer towards the end of the meditation, we can reflect on what feelings, what we have experienced, whether we felt peaceful, stillness, or this feeling of joy, or lightness, thankfulness, whatever the feeling uh, we have experienced. And we can offer this to the Buddha, dedicate it to him or another teacher. Uh, like flowers on the in front of the Buddha statue at a time like this, Vesak. And then we can radiate or share this feeling, whatever feelings, whatever experiences we've had in the meditation, with everyone here sharing it, wishing them well, wishing them peace, contentment, stillness and silence in the mind. And then we can radiate this further in ever-widening circles around wherever we find ourselves. Those listening online, watching online, listening online. In ever-widening circles, this feeling, sharing it, this peacefulness, this uh, joy, this contentedness, stillness, sharing it with all the beings, the human beings, the animals, the unseen beings, all beings, until we cover the entire earth and all other realms of existence. particularly beings in places where there are war 
or unrest like the Ukraine, like Sri Lanka and other places. Now we can just reflect on the meditation for a few moments, just reflecting how we feel now. Is it different from when we started? Did we experience this sort of sense of joy or appreciation, thanks, peace, stillness? any of these qualities of the mind as a gift for the Buddha or another teacher? And What caused these feelings to arise? What triggered them? And we can make an aspiration to keep the Buddha or another teacher in mind, in our hearts, to trigger, to bring up these feelings, these positive emotions in our daily life. Which we can remember at any time during the day and bring up those feelings. And now I'll ring the bell three times, and on the third time, if you like to come out of meditation, if you wish, you can continue, if you'd like to as well. So for those who'd like to come out of meditation, we can open our eyes and move the body to make ourselves more comfortable.
lights will come on soon, so... <laughs> oh, there we are. So, that was uh, a guided meditation dedicated to the Buddha or another teacher to, in order to um, give energy to our meditation and bring up this joy or grat- gratitude, thanks, all these positive emotions that we can use with the meditation to make it more interesting for the, the mind and then for the mind to, as it were, go deeper into the meditation. And as I mentioned before, if, if you know, the, the mind gets very still, very peaceful, just stay with that, whatever we're experiencing. We're not, we're not uh, controlling the meditation, not forcing the meditation. We're allowing these natural feelings to come up and for the mind to really settle and become peaceful because it's a mind that becomes very peaceful and settled that lets go of the negative aspects in the mind. And when it lets go of the negative aspects of the mind, of course we feel a lot more peace and stillness, but there's also a lot more clarity in the mind. The mind, we can see things more clearly. And that's the purpose of these meditations, is of course, you know, to have a pleasant time while we're meditating, not a time when we, we've, we're torturing ourselves, you know, forcing the, the body to be like this, forcing the mind to, to be a particular way. Um, we are actually encouraging um, to enjoy the meditation. And the Buddha, of course, he described his meditation as a peaceful abiding. It was very, very peaceful. <laughs> so it's a, But this is something we need uh, to encourage in our meditation because whatever we enjoy, we'll do more of. And um, this will take us deeper and deeper into the meditation. And so this can be um, something that grows uh, and that peacefulness, that stillness, and then that wisdom that comes from a clear mind, like the full moon coming out from behind the clouds. <laughs> this is an image that they use a lot in um, Buddhism, actually, of the clear, the full moon coming out from the clouds, the defilements, the negative states of the mind, and just sh- shining radiantly. Because, of course, in meditation, this is... Uh, the deeper meditations, so we can notice lights coming up in the mind, and this is a sign that the mind is coming together, and uh, then the the mind will go deeper and deeper into the meditation, and have shed all these negative um, qualities in the mind, temporarily, <laughs> but when we come out of meditation, if we see things. Uh, as they truly are, that's what we say in Buddhism, yata bhutanyana dasana, then that can take us into a stage of enlightenment. And then those shedding of the negative states uh, becomes permanent by the time we become fully enlightened. This is what the Buddha is offering. And this is what Vesak is a reminder that uh, enlightenment is possible here and now, (laughs) and still is available for us, and that uh, a teacher like the Buddha gave us the gifts, gave us the path to develop this deeper meditation, deeper wisdom, and 
the way to develop happiness in our lives. And of course, this the more um, peace we have in meditation, the more happiness we will have, the more wisdom we develop, the more happiness we will have. And we will flow with life <laughs> instead of of feeling like life is not the way we want it to be, you know, and all the demands that we make on re on reality, on life, that it stay the way we want it to be, you know, and uh, and and that we can attach to it, we can hold on to it, and of course, uh, this is not this is not on offer in in reality. But actually, if we appreciate the nature of reality, then we will treasure and make the most of our lives and the people in our lives, situations in our lives. And we will develop the mind in states that bring a lot of happiness and peace and stillness to us. So I was wondering if there are any questions. There we are, this is the... Thank you, Ignacio, for looking after the session this evening. So if you have a question, you're welcome to to um, uh, come up and speak it into the mic, or you can or stand up if you don't feel, and, and uh, uh, ask it from where you're sitting or standing. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. That's good. <laughs> that's a test, really, isn't it? Because if people come up with very detailed questions, you think, well, they've probably been quite busy during the, during the meditation. Um, and it's good, you know, that the only... The only uh, of course, the Buddha talks about the five hindrances that we can experience in meditation. But sometimes one of the worst ones is doubt. You know, am I doing this right? Um, you know, uh, uh, and this can, or, or can I do this? This is another doubt, isn't it? Can I do this meditation? And Ajahn Brahm, he would always say, no, we cannot, cannot do it. We have to get out of the way. Just allow the meditation to happen. And so this, this doubt is actually very derailing. However we are doing it, that's right. That's, that's okay. We can't, I often say, you can't get it wrong. <laughs> The only thing that makes it wrong is the doubt, actually, and that derails us. So, Ignacio, is there any any questions online? Uh, thank you, Ajahn. So we do have three questions from three the questions, online audience. Right. Yeah. And so the first one says, I have friends who are anti-religious and don't take me seriously since I've started practicing. In addition to compassion and patience, What's the best way to approach these conversations? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think <clears throat> yeah, it is difficult because people um, often um, they have a negative reaction to religions as such. But I always find, you know, if we talk about um, if we talk about the things that we experience, the, the positive qualities we're developing, developing. if we talk about um, the states of mind that we, we are encouraging, I think these things people can relate to. Um, one of the things that uh, the Buddha's teaching is 
mainly about is of course developing the mind in positive qualities and letting go of the negative qualities. We don't have to use, this person doesn't have to use terminology because if you use terminology, you know, then people feel like it's a, a brand. <laughs> they don't want a brand, except if it's a designer brand. <laughs> designer brand's what everybody else wants. <laughs> so, um, so this is important, talking about our common experience, you know, because all these uh, emotions, like the ones that I was talking about this evening, joy, stillness, peace, um, wisdom, understanding, kindness, um, compassion, these are all things people um, are looking, uh, appreciate, appreciate, and are looking for ways to develop in their lives. So this is something, this is a way we can, um, as it were, communicate it to our friends, but also very important with uh, friends too is not to lecture them, not teach them, you know, because that is a tendency to, when people discover something new, they want to tell their friends all about it, you know, and uh, and lecture them or whatever, and that's not much uh, help. But of course, I think the thing that really has an impact on people is if you know, if you have these qualities, if you are kinder, if you are a more understanding, more patient, uh, more gentle, then that impresses them, and then they want to know more about it. Um, so those sorts of uh, uh, lived, those sorts of bene- those sorts of results, those sorts of qualities we can develop, that will become what attracts people. Uh, and once then they will ask questions themselves. Um, so this is this is uh, you know some uh, a way we can we can communicate with other people about our experience because these experiences are, uh, are what human beings are looking for as the common experiences in our lives. You know often. Um, it really, the, this is where the brilliance of the Buddha shines, I think, is because some of the common experiences in life, not necessarily these states, but the difficulties we have. <laughs> and that, that actually can communicate quite a lot, quite well with people too, talking about the problems in life and how we deal with them, how we um, can let go of them, how we can reduce them. And uh, this this also can be very helpful, except sometimes people say, oh, Buddhism is so negative, you know, it's so uh, depressing. But of course, the Buddha's teaching is about letting go of those, those difficulties, those sufferings, um, coming to terms with them and going beyond them, um, finding happiness. So it's not about describing suffering in great detail, everybody getting together and saying, yeah, it's pretty terrible, isn't it? <laughs> it's finding a solution to it, and that's the, the point of the Buddha's teaching. So you can approach it from a number of different angles, but I think uh, you know, not using terminology and talking about our own experience is very helpful too, You know, because then people can relate to it, you know, and, uh, and that may be a way to communicate uh, with these friends and in the end to respect the fact that 
You know, that, that's their conditioning. That, and it's a conditioning of the modern times too, you know, of, of being anti-religious. Being, uh, and of course there are many things to react against. Um, but uh, also to just communicate one's own experience and uh, talk about the common denominators in all our lives, all human beings' lives, all beings' lives, and then people can relate to that uh, much, much more. So I hope that uh, answers your question. It's probably a sort of going around a bit. <laughs> uh, thank you, Ajahn. Yeah, difficult one. Um, we'll just go to the next one. Mm. Uh, sometimes I get intense anxiety and fear after meditating, yeah. especially with the deeper meditations. Oh. And when it happens, um, it makes me hesitant to practice. Could you say something about this? Right. Yeah, that's interesting, you know, because uh, when the uh, deeper meditation happens, it's, um, it is almost for uh, t two things can happen. People can get very excited about it because they can really tell the mind is changing gear. <laughs> and uh, they can get excited about it, but fear or anxiety can also come up because it feels like, you know, that uh, they lose their self, the sense of who they are is, is going to be lost or threatened, almost like a dying, actually. So this is a fear that comes up, can come up for some people. And it's not an uncommon experience, uh, a feeling that people can have. And of course, it blocks going deeper and deeper into the meditation. So I think one of the, the, the most important things in those cases is to hear advice, guidance that gives you a feeling of trust, of safety. If you know... Um, that this is not going to harm you, this is not going to hurt you. You'll come out the other side and you'll really be thankful that you'd, you did, did go into it. You may not want to come out the other side, actually. But if you, if you listen to instructions, you know, like Anjan Brahm, for instance, you know, um, gives great detailed uh, descriptions of deeper meditation so that we know the territory and... Uh, He's is guiding us into the, in that territory. Um, it's a bit like the um, the Google Maps. <laughs> He's a Google Maps, but he, you're not hearing his voice as you're meditating, of course. But it gives you the sense of safety and security. Others have been there, and they came out the other side, um, very very happy, and perhaps with very profound understanding. So this is part of it, having some knowledge, but obviously it's building trust too, trust in the, the process and also understanding the process very clearly. This is why the guidelines or guidance is very helpful. So building up that trust and also I would suggest, you know, at the beginning of the meditation doing some uh, metta meditation, this is kindness meditation or or friendliness, I like that for a word, so that we feel safe and secure at the beginning of the meditation. Because this metta meditation, loving kindness or kindness I like, gives a sense of security and safety. That's the idea of metta and relaxation. So if you prime the mind like that before you go into the, a deep a meditation that possibly gets deeper, it will have that tendency to carry in to the meditation too. 
so that you feel safe and you'll feel that uh, there's nothing to to worry about. So I think these sorts of uh, things can be very helpful, that extra guidance, so you've got a bit of an idea of the territory, yeah, will be very helpful. So thank you for that, yes. Uh, thank you, Ajahn. Um, we do have one, one more one. question yeah. that popped in, but I'm aware of the time. Yeah, it's um, just one minute, so it has to be a quick one. Yeah, so oh no, yes, one minute. We'll do one last quick one. Mm. Um, I don't really feel any particular positive emotions and joy during meditation, probably mm. because of my trauma. Uh, should I just let it be? Yes, definitely. Not not try and force it, you know. If if there isn't a, a positive meditation, a positive emotion there, yeah, just be with um, whatever feels... Um, Whatever feeling you have, but but uh, if it's more peaceful, if it's more positive, that is uh, much more useful. Just to even stay with the breath, just to seek that sense of uh, refuge in the breath, just letting go of the past and the future, letting go of the trauma, you know, that was in the past, it's not here in the present, and it need not be in the future. So that that can be... And when we stay with the breath like that, it's quite peaceful. And it can be an oasis, I call it, or an island, you know, from this trauma, a rest from it. Because a lot of trauma is like um, reliving something that was really, we couldn't process at the time, and we're still trying to deal with it. So just to have a little break um, in uh, this peace or the stillness, just be with the breath, simply with the body, the moment in this present moment. That's enough. Don't have to, don't have to have these positive emotions. If they come, good. We're not here to manufacture them. <laughs> so I hope that is of some use because I think for whenever there are difficult emotions in the the mind, to ground ourselves in the body is quite useful. Go for a walk. Be, you know, whatever brings us into the present moment, a bit of activity can be very helpful. Um, and a, and a particularly if it's in a meditative um, type of uh, activity, then it, the mind can calm down, get more peaceful, more grounded. So, uh, and always to have kindness too, always to have kindness with that, you know. Yeah, so thank you very much for that question. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Because the meditation is about knowing what's going on in our mind, not, not manufacturing anything. Um, realizing, knowing is, is the, the, the most important thing, what we're experiencing here and now. All right, so thank you very much for this evening, and, uh, and please come, come again. It's nice to see more people returning, and we can sit together. Uh, on Monday nights, and there will be. Um, uh, uh, next week, that's true. Next week, uh, uh, you're all invited on uh, Sunday. There will be, on fr well, I should first of all mention Friday night, there's an, uh, um, from seven to eight, there's, um, is it uh, meditation, an introduction to Buddhist meditation here on Friday nights with a different monk? who stays here, Ajahn Sadaro. And then on Sunday there will be another Vesak ceremony. If you're wondering what Vesak means, it's just the word for the month. 
we say may, but in the time of the Buddha they said Vesaka, Vesaka. That's why it's called Vesaka, actually, it's just may. <laughs> and uh, so Sunday there will be uh, a Vesak ceremony at the monastery, which is part of the Buddhist Society of Victoria. It's in Newbury, um, which is near, everybody says, where's Newbury? <laughs> it's near Trentham, Dalesford, all those sorts of areas. And uh, it will be starting at 9.15. So there's uh, a bus that's going, but uh, I don't know if that's booked up. Not yet. Just a few more places. Uh, two buses going. And uh, you can see the information about that on the website. And then uh, next Monday night, there will be a special talk at Malvern Town Hall. And that's starting at uh, 7.30 um, to uh, 9.30 with Ajahn Brahm. Ajahn Brahm will be here, if you've heard of him. He'll be here for the Vesak in Newbury and for the Monday night meditation as well. Uh, Monday night talk. It will, maybe some meditation, who knows? Be closed on Monday night. Yes, that's good to remind people, actually, so people don't come and think, oh, why is it locked up? <laughs> so uh, you can see the details of that on the Buddhist Society of Victoria website. And the notes board, yeah, of course. Yeah, so the, the old-fashioned well, old-fashioned way. <laughs> That's good. So we can uh, finish off this evening by paying respects to the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha, if you would like. It's up to you, if you wish to. Oh, that's it.